You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. from a father. What an encouragement from a father to a son who was about to take his place. The son was about to take his place. The first thing he says is, I want you to know the God of your father. I love that. He didn't say, know the creator of the universe. Know the God of Israel. No, he said, know the God that I serve. Why did he say that? He wants Solomon to get personal with God. We tend to remember the things that our parents say to us. As David is passing the throne down to his son, his words aren't, You've got this. You're a strong and wise man. Instead, he tells him to know the Lord. In today's message, Pastor Dave will teach you about the peace and strength that can only come from knowing the Lord. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 27 as he continues his message, The Finishing Touches. The Lord gives us many trials. He gives us many times. And remember, they're all times of testing. The Lord loves to test us. He loves to test our faith to help improve our faith, to help to make us stronger in our faith. So he tests us. And you may not pass the test the first time. You may have to take it several times. Don't worry. If you fail the test the first time, guaranteed, the Lord will bring the test around again. He'll bring it around again, and you'll go, wait a minute, wasn't I just through this? And you'll know how to act, and you'll know what to do, because he's always faithful. And that's the way it's been in my life. When I have failed certain tests, and I have, when I've failed certain tests, all of a sudden the tests come back, and I go, I remember this one. (laughs) Yeah, I remember this one, and hopefully I do better this time. You know, I do better. So that's what I see happening here in David. So in verse 25 down through 34, He talks about the king's treasures. Someone was over the king's treasure. Another one was over the storehouses in the fields, in the cities, in the villages, in the fortresses. Another one was over the work in the field and the tilling of the ground. Another one was over the vineyards. Another one was over the produce of the vineyards. Another one wanted to supply the wine. So you can see everybody had a job to do and everybody was doing their job to the best of their ability. Treasury, storehouses, working in the field, tilling the ground, vineyards, olive trees, herds, camels, donkeys, flocks. There was so much to do for these people. But David trusted men to oversee these areas. And these men were just as important to the kingdom as the spiritual leaders were. And I made some notes here about deacons, because I believe the deacons take part in the spiritual health of the church, but they also, they do the grunt work. The deacons move things around, they fix things, they do all sorts of things. This is what deacons do, you know? You remember in Acts 6, when the apostles were called on the carpet because the Hellenistic Jews said, Our widows are getting shortchanged with the food distribution. Obviously, 
they distributed food all the time to the various groups. And the Hellenistic Jews, which were the Greek Jews, by the way, they felt shortchanged. They felt shortchanged in Acts 6. And they basically came to the apostles and said, hey, guys, we don't like the fact that you're shortchanging our women. What's going on? Well, it's interesting in Acts 6, and I think it's worth repeating and looking at. In Acts 6, the apostles, the apostles get together and basically through prayer, the 12 summoned the multitude of disciples and said, it's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven good men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And this is the responsibility of what I think of deacon does. They do those things so that those who are responsible for the spiritual welfare of the church can study the word of God and get ready to teach the word of God and bring forth the word of God. Not that we don't do those things. I have my hand involved in a lot of things. and you know. But the deacons come in and they do these things. They do those things. So I think it's important we have a picture here. These men had been faithful to David. These men were faithful and David appointed them to that. And I love the description Seek out seven men of good reputation and full of Holy Spirit and wisdom. I love that. I love that. We're going to appoint them over the business. I like that. So then, these men who had been faithful to David for a long, long time, and they were state officials, and they became his advisors. They became his advisors, and you can look at them. Jenaholathin, David's uncle, was a counselor, a wise man, a scribe. Hithophel, we talked about him before, was a counselor. David had many counselors. And I think this is important for a leader to have many counselors. And there's a proverb, 24 verse 6, says, For by wise counsel you will wage war, your own war, and a multitude of counselors there is safety. Godly counsel. A multitude of counsels doesn't mean I'm going to go over here and ask Mark something, then I'm going to ask Bill, then I'm going to ask Carl, I'm going to ask Sam, then I'm going to ask Tom, I'm going to ask the Pillars, I'm going to ask Kevin, and if I like one of those answers, I'll do it. But if I don't like any of those, I'm going to continue to do it. That's not wise counsel. You choose people who you believe are seeking God and can give you godly counsel, biblical counsel. And it's okay to seek a several. And if you're truly seeking God, and they're truly seeking God, chances are the counsel you're going to get is going to be very similar from each person. But unfortunately, we like to find out who's got what, and we like to talk to everybody. And you know what? I don't like your question. How about you, Kevin? I don't like what you're saying over there. You know, and finally, somebody says something that tickles our ear and go, that's what I want to do. That's got to be from the Lord. Okay. Let me know how that works out, big fellow. <laughs> Let me know how that works out. So we got to be careful. First of all, you got to be careful to whom you ask counsel from. And then you got to be careful when you receive counsel and what you do with it. It's very important. It's very, very important. When you ask counsel and you don't do what the counselor says, don't get mad at the person you ask when things don't work out the way you want it. 
or when you take that advice that maybe you shouldn't have taken and things go bad, don't get angry. Always seek the Lord first. So this is what David's doing with his counselors. I think it's important to have counselors. I value the guys who are in leadership with me. I value their opinion. And in fact, I value all of your opinions. And I have asked you for your opinion from time to time, and I value your opinions. My one-stock statement is, although I value your opinion, please don't get mad at me when I don't take your advice. But I value your opinion. So anyhow, that's what he's saying here. Godly counsel is so important for a leader to have godly counsel. Surround themselves with men who are godly men who seek the Lord with their whole heart. And that's what's important whether it be a ministry, whether it be whatever. So David did that, and I think it's cool. So we come to verse 28, and it says, Now David assembled at Jerusalem all the leaders of Israel, the officers of the tribes and the captains of the divisions who served the king, the captains over thousands, captains over hundreds, and the stewards over all the substance and possessions of the king and of his sons with the officials and the valiant men and all the mighty men of valor. Whew. David had a lot of guys in his court. All these people that he's been appointing and appointing and appointing. Now he calls them all together. All these leaders together. Then King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and for a footstool for our God and had made preparations to build it. But God said to me, you shall not build a house in my name because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. However, the Lord God of Israel chose me above all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he has chosen Judah to be the ruler. Now remember, Judah was the ruler. Where did that choice come from? It came from God. But who passed it down? Chapter 50 of Genesis. Jacob passed it down. Jacob passed that blessing down to Judah, said, you're going to be a ruler. You're going to be one. And he said, in the house of Judah, the house of my father, and among the sons of my father, was pleased with me to make me king over all Israel. And of all my sons, and the Lord has given me many sons, he now has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. Now he said to me, it is your son Solomon who shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever if he is steadfast to observe my commandments and my judgments all this day. Now therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, be careful to seek out all the commandments of your Lord your God, that you may possess this good land and leave it as an inheritance for your children after you. So David gets all these guys together, and he's basically passing the torch. He's basically saying, okay, now it's going to take me. God chose me. And you know what? i got to say this because it's on my head right now. Ever since we watched The Chosen and we saw all that workings, this word means more to me now than it might have in a long time. It's really cool to see this. In God's hand, God chose David. Remember Samuel went to Jesse's house? And there was, he brought out seven guys. 
And he looked at them, and no, not this one, just one. One was more handsome than the other, and where was strong, and he kept on going, this is he, Lord. Okay. No, this is the guy. And he went down the line, and he looked around. He said, Jesse, don't you have somebody else? Well, there's the runt with the sheep. David, bring him out. That was the one that the Lord wanted. For the Lord looks upon the heart. Man looks like the outward appearance, but the Lord looks upon the heart. So David knew he was chosen by God. We should know that we've been chosen by God through the blood of Jesus Christ. When we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we were chosen by God. And he's given us everything for life and godliness in Jesus Christ. So he's passing the torch now to Solomon, and he emphasizes the responsibility of building this temple. But there is another son, and we studied Adonijah, who tried to dethrone and take the throne away, but that didn't work out very well. But all the leaders of Israel, that may these were collectively mentioned in the previous chapters, they all came together. And he speaks to the assembly. He rose to his feet. And many think that he was in declining health at this time, and he had to get help to get up. And he stood because he was addressing this, and he didn't want them to see him as weak. He told them that, I really wanted to build a house of the Lord, but the Lord said no. He said, you can't because you're a man of war. You're a man of blood, but I've chosen your son. And I love that. And I like the fact that David calls the house of the Lord a house of rest. Come to me, all who are laden and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Rest for our souls. Rest for our souls. God's rest signifies what? What does God's rest signify for us? The completed work of the cross. We rest in the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That is our rest. We rest in him and what he accomplished on that cross and what it means to us. It was significant that there was rest in the temple because David was a man of war. That's why he couldn't build. A man of war doesn't rest. God said this is going to be a place of rest, a house of rest. But he qualified him to gather all the material. Qualified him. Only Solomon, remember? Solomon in chapter 22, verse 9, calls Solomon a man of rest. Solomon gets to build the task kit. I've chosen Solomon to sit on the throne. It was significant because there had never, ever been anyone in the hereditary of anyone to sit on the throne. Remember, Saul was the first king and his family died. Now, David is the second king of Israel and his son Solomon is now going to sit on the throne. So you have a dynasty happening. You have the first of a dynasty starting. Remember God's promise to David. God's promise to David. There will one on your throne forever. One will sit on your throne forever. These royal descendants. Be careful to seek out all the commandments of the Lord. This was an exhortation to the people. Be careful. You have a responsibility and it's worthy of your attention. Seek out the commandments of God. Search the scriptures diligently. Look and see. Find out. You're exhorted to seek these out and don't compromise by focusing on the good commandments. Oh, I like this commandment better than that one, so I'm going to just worry about this one, and that one will take... No! Look at all the commandments. 
Look at all the commandments. This is very, very important. We're not to just pick the ones we like. I like the one that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. I like that one, and I'm going to do that one. I'm not so sure about that love your neighbor thing. No. We can't pick and choose, but I can guarantee, I can guarantee that if you are truly loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, with everything you have, you will be loving your neighbor as yourself. You will be loving your neighbor. It will come. It will happen. It will happen. Then David, David speaks to Solomon directly. It's almost like this throngs of people are here, and David is standing there, and Solomon has got to be someplace close proximity. He might even be doing this when he talks about the temple, talks about his son. I don't know. doesn't say. But he speaks to Solomon directly, and look what he says to Solomon. I love these words. Look what he says to Solomon in verses 9 and 10. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart, with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent and the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. I love those words. Wow. What encouragement. Can you imagine Solomon? I forget. How old was Solomon when this happened, when this took place? Probably pretty young, I think. I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure. I'm sure it says someplace back in the scriptures, but I don't know. But there's several things that I have to point out about this passage, because I love this passage. What an admonition from a father. What an exhortation from a father. What an encouragement from a father to a son who was about to take his place. The son was about to take his place. The first thing he says is, I want you to know the God of your father. I love that. He didn't say, know the creator of the universe. Know the God of Israel. No, he said, know the God that I serve. Why did he say that? He wants Solomon to get personal with God. He had a personal relationship with God, and he wanted Solomon to get that personal relationship. He found so much fulfillment, so much satisfaction, so much excitement that he wanted Solomon to have the same experiences. Don't you get that from Paul, from John, from Peter, as we read their epistles? I get the same thing. We've been studying in 1 John. John continually says, I want you to experience what we experienced. We saw him. We touched him. We heard him. We know him. I want you to experience that. They were so excited about what happened in their lives. They were so excited about what they experienced that they wanted the same thing for us. Here, a father wants the same thing for his children. Oh, we feel the same way about our kids, don't we? We really do. We feel the same way. We want them to experience God like we know, the God that we know, the God that will guide them in all things, the God that will be there in their misery, be there in their tribulations, be there in their heartaches. We want our children to know God. We want them to know God through Jesus Christ. We want them to know that. And when they know that, like we know that, there'll be unspeakable joy in our hearts. And there'll be unspeakable joy in their hearts. And when you see your child following the Lord, oh, there's just nothing like it in the entire world. 
Know the God of your father. The next thing he says, and serve him. Serve him. We must truly know God before we can serve him. You can't serve a God you don't know. You've got to accept Jesus as your Savior. You've got to be born again. You've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you can know God. And then God will explain to you. You know his love through Jesus Christ. You know all about that. It's interesting. There's a scripture here in Daniel 11. In Daniel 11, verse 32, it says, But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Serve him by knowing him. You know him, and then you want to see that's what happens. People come into Calvary Chapel, Cape Bay, and the first thing they want to do is serve God. And they get angry at me because I say, hang on. Hang around for a while. Get to know us. Let us get to know you. See what we're all about. Draw closer to God. God will raise you up in due time. See, you get to know God first, who he is, and you experience him. And you see all the goings on, and you get this excitement, and then God raises you up as you come. And that's what's happening here. He says, know my God and serve him. Serve him with every ounce you have. When you know the Lord, you can't help but want to serve him. It just comes naturally. If you don't know God and you're trying to serve him, I can guarantee two things. Number one, it's a burden to you to try to serve God without knowing him. And number two, you're probably very legalistic about it. We ought to know God. How do I know God, he says, and how do I serve him? The next one was with a perfect heart and a willing mind. I like that too. Sometimes we serve the Lord with unperfect hearts. Yeah, we do. Sometimes we serve the Lord, and while we're serving the Lord, we're grumbling and complaining. Yeah, I have. Yeah, been chastised for it. Been called on the carpet for it by God, <laughs> you know vacuuming one day a long time ago, vacuuming where we had church service and nobody was around to help church. And I was... Man, i tell you what, it wasn't audible, but right here I heard, who are you doing this for? I went, whoa, I thought I was doing it for you. Oh, then shut up. Okay. <laughs> serve him with a willing heart and a willing mind. Don't serve him half-heartedly. When I read in Malachi, in Malachi chapter 1, verse 8, Malachi was saying to the people, you know, you're sacrificing half-heartedly. You're sacrificing bad animals. You're doing bad animals. You've heard the one about the cows that had twins, and the guy said, I'm going to give one to the Lord. I'm going to give one of the calves to the Lord. And the wife said, oh, isn't that wonderful, honey? You're going to give one calf to the Lord. How wonderful. Well, I don't know how much time went by, but he came in with a long face one day. She goes, what happened, hon? The Lord's calf died. Don't serve the Lord half-heartedly. Serve him as all the gusty you have. Serve him with everything you have. Serve him with joy and with gladness and with happy. If you're unhappy serving the Lord, don't serve him. Don't serve him. If it's drudgery, don't do it. Don't do it. You are a You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave comes to us from Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. And in today's message, Pastor Dave is in the book of First Chronicles. In this book, we witness the kingship of David. What was it that made David such a great king over Israel? 
No doubt he was a mighty warrior, full of faith and courage, but that's not what made him so great. His greatness came to him because he followed God. When a choice was before him, he went first and asked the Lord what to do. When you face choices in life, what is it that you do first? It might be tempting to first look at finances or talk to a friend, but if you want to be great like King David, seeking God and His wisdom is the first thing to do. As we progress through the story, we'll see times that God sends David into war and others where he directs him to avoid war. We can only know God's direction by seeking his face. Here at Assure Hope, we'd love to do that with you. Are you facing a difficult choice? We'd love to seek God's face in prayer with you. You can email us your requests at info at capewatchradio.com. Once again, that's info at capewatchradio.com. Or you can call us at 609 884 5821. That phone number again, 609-884-5821. Well, we've come to the end of our time together for today. We'll be back though, and we hope to see you again here on Assure Hope.